0: Welcome to another edition of Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephants Podcast for the IT management community. Welcome to Practitioner Radio, episode sixteen. Pink Elephants podcast for the ITSM community or as we like to call it the fastest 30 minutes in ITSM audio. Hey, it's Chris Dancy. I am back with my brilliant and very dashing co-host, Mr. Troy Dumoulin. Hey, Chris. Uh, Troy, uh, a lot of feedback after last week's show. People are like, well, why isn't it on iTunes? I know, my bad. But, but, well, no, regardless of that, it's nice when people are like, hey, where is this? I, can't, I need to get my hands on it.
1: Well, I got it to the service desk. They promise it'll be up in 24 hours.
0: Yeah. So but I just thought, I don't know. I was just really happy. I was like, oh, people really, you know, they want the next one. And I think it's because of that elusive business relationship management title.
1: You know, it is all the rage. It's the new thing. People love the new thing.
0: It is. Troy, you're you're a tastemaker. <laughs> so speaking of taste making, that's Wet my taste buds with a little request fulfillment.
1: Yes, and uh, we have a guest today who is the connoisseur of taste making, and his name is Martin <laughs> Irv. Hey, Martin, how you doing? I'm doing great. Glad to be on the call this week. You remind me of a chef, like one of those high couture, high class
0: restaurant kind of guys. I don't know, Martin is the only person I know living who looks like he could be on a, a on a dollar bill.
2: You said that last time, Chris. I tell you,
0: I know you really do. It, it is a compliment. You look
2: very stately. I look like I'm from the 19th century, is what you mean? Well, yeah. well, okay. Well, you <laughs> could see it that way, but that's not what I mean. It's
1: all it's all a matter of perspective, Martin.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> goodness, goodness.
0: So, uh, because this is the fastest 30 minutes, we got to jump right into this, Martin. Uh, Uh, Request Fulfillment Uh, Troy said, you know, I'd love to bring Martin in on this And I'm like, well, you know, Martin was on. He's the the only person who's been on with us. Who was on with event management. Give us your kind of three cents because you know me, Martin, I don't understand this stuff. And and uh, each week, it's a struggle to get it through my little head.
2: So you want to know the difference between Request Fulfillment and what it sprang from, which was the service desk stuff?
0: Well, give me your perspective on it. I mean, because we just finished up the business relationship and we're jumping right into Request Fulfillment. To me, Request Fulfillment's all about gimme, 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 like a little kid. Gimme, gimme, gimme. But it has got to be more to it from a business side.
2: Well, it's how do we give them what they want to get? Mm. Yes, it is making that a nice smooth delivery along with authorization, making sure that the people that are uh, approving these things really can and should allow the provisioning, and this is the old term, provisioning of whatever it is people are asking for.
1: And and there is a connection between the business relationship manager conversation at the portfolio level, where you have all the agreements set up and you have the parameters agreed to for the service design package. But in the end, it all comes down to a requestable unit, right? I have to push the button and order for something. And that's the process
0: for getting that something to the person, the provisioning of the actual unit. Mm -hmm. Now, is there a request fulfillment manager or would that just be adding a a whole other role that we just doesn't actually exist? It
2: depends on scale, I think. You could conceivably have somebody. If you take the parallel of uh, Sears and Roebuck, something to pick a really ancient example, anything from very, very tiny stuff to really huge stuff could get ordered. And you have people who are fulfillment managers. Absolutely in the distribution business and the retail you got people who are accountable for getting what was ordered out to the customer uh, you know and making sure that their credit was good and that you should be shipping it you know amazon does this by bucket loads every day
1: mm-hmm. yeah in fact amazon is the business of request fulfillment uh, a order is placed and i had to get through a series of steps for approval and for authorization for for funding for Shipping logistics, and eventually it ends up on my door,
2: right? And that's if you ordered a book. But if you order a piece of their cloud, you get the same kind of treatment. Interesting.
1: Just doesn't end up on my doorstep with a nice guy asking me to sign for it. And that's right. On your virtual windowsill. In fact, uh, there's something to this kind of multi-concept thing because, you know, request fulfillment is actually kind of unique in the uh, service management world. In fact, there is this overall process, you know, with a typical process owner and maybe some process managers that's got an input, activity, and uh, output. But there's also this concept that every requestable item could have its own potential mini flow, its own workflow. Mm. So request fulfillment is potentially hundreds of processes.
0: It's like uh, 2001 when he says it's full of stars.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Sort of like that. Sort of like that. So it's funny you should mention Amazon because Amazon, when I was first learning about uh, Service Catalog and Troy's book with with Rod Rodrigo there, uh, they talked about how Amazon was was a really good example of what – you could envision your service catalog to look like. And now you guys are also talking about uh request fulfillment, which goes back to what Troy was saying, goes back to our business relationship management and service portfolio. Why is it, I guess, I could, just for your opinion, why is it that Amazon has become such a brilliant way to articulate things that we need to
2: somehow see tangibly uh, in IT? Troy, I'll give you first crack at it, and then I'll go ahead and... Weigh in
1: well the whole concept of ordering on the cloud ordering in the on the internet i should probably use that term better at this point uh, you know is something that we're now very familiar with and comfortable with and pretty much everybody is in the in the business of either buying content in the concept of movies or books and or physical objects through a internet portal and having that arrive somehow either it's physically arriving or virtually right so more and more businesses in fact let me give you a context You know, the whole movie and DVD industry. We just went through a major impact here in my local community. I don't have a DVD store to go to anymore. Mm. Blockbusters went out of business. Rogers closed its, its shop. So the only way for me to rent a movie on Friday night for the family is to go online either through Apple, iTunes or Rogers On Demand. Mm. Right? So this whole business model is pushing to the virtual and so Amazon kind of represents that uh, virtual you
2: know, concept probably the best for many people. So I, I think the other reason that Amazon's a great example is that it's the modern equivalent of the model everybody understands. Everybody used to understand Sears Robux catalog.
0: That's right. Oh. And
2: you would fill out the form and you send it in. Nobody does that anymore. That's
0: right. Martin, you're right because I remember early, early ITIL stuff I was doing, people would talk about Sears Catalog. Mm -hmm. You you see, you're just tickling my mind, my memory now. Um, And as far as being the modern equivalent, I I think you're right. It reminds me, someone once said to me, what's the difference between ITIL version 2 and ITIL version 3? And uh, and you, you two being the smart ITIL folks you are will love my answer. I said, well... In Itil version three, we just we just kind of made it a point that everyone loves to shop and everything has a life, which has a beginning, end, and, and starts over again. So shopping and a life cycle, and uh, they said that's it. I am there, there, you're certified. So, <laughs> uh,
1: certifiable. Yes, uh, certifiable. You know, <laughs> what, what rem- you reminded me of the old debates we used to have because everyone you know talk about you know is. There, a request, a mini baby change, or is it some kind of incident in, in a class of its own? Yeah. And we'd have, you know, these big theoretical debates over our recreational beverages. And, and I was on the camp of really requests is more for mini change, kind of a standard pre-approved change. But then a case course version three came out and it had its own process. It got elevated to its own you know, platform. It's like, you know, business relationship management got pulled out of service level management and catalog where it's always been. Right. And that's okay. That's not a bad thing because it gives. Uh, it gives it some profile. And it is different than service, you know, restoration. It's simply, I want some more of that. As you said, give me, give me, give me. And and that's the basis of life. We we need resources to fulfill
0: what we need to do. I liked what Martin said about, um, and I think it was Martin. I'm sorry if it was you, Troy. About you know uh, Amazon sending you a book, or if you wanted a piece of the cloud, you know you could mm-hmm. order that from Amazon. And, and I think it's a really important paradigm shift that I see with request fulfillment. Because as I spend more and more money on things I'll never actually hold, mm-hmm. I think it's important for me that. Finally, maybe not, I don't know if I'm going to phrase this right, but finally our end users or or customers of this support center might understand better that our role, because they understand when I don't see anything, it's still something.
2: There's that, and the other thing is that our customers' expectations are getting set by their Amazon experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And
1: that's something that Rodrigo goes on about. It's the it's the speed and ease of the Amazon experience.
2: Right.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, it's it's odd because uh, I I do order things from Amazon. I could buy less than a mile from my house, and I. Why? Because it's actually easier to do it from my desk than get in the car and go there. I mean, it's a very odd paradigm or, or time we're in. Request fulfillment as far as, uh, an organization goes, uh, to, to jump back into that. Uh, Troy, you talked a little bit about these being, you know, the idea of pre-approved changes and then they got elevated. Uh, for, for either one of you, Troy also talked, talked on this could spawn off many, many processes. Can you dive into that a little bit? Because that almost scares me to really just think about that.
1: Yeah, let me give you the context because we are often asked to help
0: Organizations establish their request process, so we do this
1: as a consulting service, right? So, you know, there's the typical roles we have to define. There's the the person who's going to take care of the overall process. There's the requester, which is a user, and that person can call the service desk. They'll make a you know a call to a human being who will uh, talk to a service desk professional who will literally enter the request into a, an automated system for provisioning and approval and provisioning. Or you can go straight and do it yourself on a uh, a request type catalog. And we talked about that in the catalog conversation. So there's this. This overall flow of how things are brought in and how things are managed as far as a set of activities for approval and provisioning. And that has to be defined as this kind of macro process first. It's not that complicated. But then every single requestable item has its own mini flow. Because while it might all originate on a catalog per se, the cost center approver for this item in this region might be different than the cost center approver for the... Uh, the same item in the Philippines, right? Because the management structure is different and the and the costing approval could be different. And even the, the provisioning arm, because while the cost center approver will approve it, it then has to then be put into someone else's queue to build or to buy. And that person will have to perhaps image the um, the new laptop or PC that's been requested. And again, the image might differ. So there's really a lot of intricacies here. Depending on what thing you're asking for in what region and your entitlement based on the agreements at the portfolio and catalog level. So literally companies can have hundreds into thousands of different variable flows for these requestable items.
0: That makes sense.
1: Now how do you manage
2: that physically
1: though, on the other side of that complexity?
2: Well the interesting thing is that people have been doing this on paper for centuries, but the scope was always pretty small. Yeah. For for in house provisioning. You you ended up sourcing a lot of that to other, you know, organizations would, you know, the office supplies, for instance, all that silly stuff that we used to think was such a big deal and you had to get approval to get another pad of paper and that kind of thing. Now it's all being virtualized. And how do you keep track of that stuff when it's virtualized? And there's no real paper flow that to watch,
1: yeah, I mean, take the you know the Roman Empire and the legion. You had to go to the quartermaster with your chit to get your people feel, feel fed that night, right? You had to mm-hmm. you had to put your request
0: in. It's it's interesting. Um, I hate to go back to a consumer example, uh, but I was on the road recently and I. I as I often do when I first get someplace that doesn't have Diet Coke, because I'm a Diet Coke person, not a Diet, I'm a Diet Pepsi person. I go to Domino's and the Domino's website and I, I order a, a small pizza just so I can order Diet Coke. But that's not the point. The point is Domino's had this really nice little screen feature that kind of showed me, okay, we got your order. Okay. Your order is on the table being made. Your order is in the oven. And it's out of the oven. It's being boxed. Jill's coming to deliver it. And like t- as soon as that, Next section. Then there's a knock at the door. Is there a, is there an idea of request fulfillment? Kind of v- visually understanding where I am in the process for users. Yeah. Or is that a little far? Is that a little far fetched? Well,
1: are you asking kind of understanding your status at any given point? Yeah. That's what you're yeah. Asking? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So there's a there's a couple of things that people want to know. They want to know where to go and to, how to order. Okay, we clarify that with giving them a single point of entry or a you know a virtual catalog, Amazon like experience. But then, you know, especially if it's a long, protracted request, they want to be updated. Because, you know, a lot of the calls to the service desk were where's my stuff? Yeah. You know, I I, I put my request in a week ago, no one's even mentioned where it is or given me any kind of update. So there's they're constantly going back and saying, Where is it? Where is it? Well, wouldn't it be much better if we could actually put in our request and then actually monitor, track, you know, the request as it's flowing through the various published stages of provisioning? And that's what you're seeing a lot with the automation now. And that's alleviating a lot of the traditional calls of, you know, where's my stuff? Because I can literally go and self help here, track my parcel as it's coming across the country when I app order my new Apple iPhone, right? Yeah. I can see exactly where it is and who picked it up and who signed for it and where it is next. And I can kind of, get excited with that anticipation and I'm not bothering uh,
2: to call the service desk because I, I can literally track the flow and expectation is managed that way yep it's the expectation that Troy just mentioned that's so important in any transaction you know a request is made and somebody says yes I'll get that for you and you as the requester always want to know where is that in retail that's never an issue. Right? You can see it right there on the shelf. You've got it in your hand. You're walking to checkout. Yeah. That's not the case in most places anymore. And no. so right. closing that service awareness gap mm. is part of what request, request fulfillment enables if the process is well-defined and you can actually track it.
1: Well, and that's a key point. You have to define the process.
0: Service awareness. Wait a <laughs> minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Service awareness gap. I mean, come on. That is brilliant. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry, I just
2: love that. I'm just waiting for the air to come back out of my head.
1: Yeah, well. <sighs> You okay. said something important, though. You can't automate it until it's defined, right? You can't really right. get a set of tracked situations unless you know what the steps are. In fact, I saw something brilliant yesterday. I was actually watching a, a ServiceNow and, and ManageIQ webinar, and they were demonstrating how the ServiceNow now application or on the catalog and the request fulfillment was enabling you to kind of order up a, a new virtual machine and you could pick from the catalog the attributes, how many CPUs you wanted, how much memory, how much storage, and literally create what they called a workflow. I'd call that a server. Mm-hmm. Then literally you could watch on another screen the steps. So after the request was approved, then it was automatically provisioned as an instance, then it was registered with the DNS, then it was uh, registered with DHCP, and you could see the steps. Each step said, not started, pending, started, finished. And each step would go green. It would actually even populate the CMDB with a configuration item instance. Uh, I could then go to the CMDB and actually look at that record now. And if I wanted to go back to the actual dashboard to manage IQ. I click on the link and manage the configuration item. It would track the financial. Boom, 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 boom.
0: (laughs) That's absolutely scary because if you, if you can do that, a robot will do it someday.
2: I mean, at what point just are we out of the picture completely? Wow. Well, there is that to think about, but the fact of the matter is all that stuff is sitting there and there's some physical device on which this actually is ultimately landing, right. right. set of devices maybe, and somebody has to manage that and keep it running underneath this whole thing, but that's why you order cloud services because you don't want to worry about that.
0: Right,
1: right. You're worrying about the management side, but the provisioning and the and where that resource is—that's,
2: of course, that's out there. Yep, and that's what Managed IQ takes care of. Yeah.
0: Do SLAs even come into play with requests? I mean, I know that might be a dumb question, but that's why this is practitioner radio.
2: Well, it goes back to the word expectation, Chris. Mm -hmm. How did that get established, and how do you know whether or not you're satisfying that, and can you manage that expectation? Mm -hmm. So, service level might be the right. It might be fulfillment level. I don't know. But you do want to manage that somehow. And request fulfillment is the process in which you do that, among other things. You do more than just fulfilling requests. You also set them up and you set expectations there.
0: So is, is there such a thing as ELM?
2: 1st so ex- expectation level management, um, that's probably going a little far. But you know, it's it, just like the Domino's guys. You know, you're going to have your pizza in so and so many minutes, right? Yeah,
1: you can't manage expectations until you know what the expected outcome is,
2: right? right. So in this virtual example,
1: literally, they were showing provisioning of servers in sixteen sixty seconds or so, and that was a, not phenomenal. When you used to think it took months, months, to, right. you know, to do the same thing. Um, but there are certain tasks which are still manual, such as I'm onboarding a new employee, and I've got to now coordinate multiple provisioning tasks. You know, I've got you get the office space set up, the cabling set up, the laptop imaged and on site, the account set up, and to do that without this coordinated automation and all the synchronized requests, which are sometimes dependent on each other is almost impossible in a, in a manual way, back to Martin's concept of simplicity. So we're really driven to kind of automate request fulfillment as much as possible and at least track it so we know where the, the constraint or bottleneck is. Exactly right. In that context, I wouldn't set a 60-second <laughs> SLA because I have to know what the average time to onboard a, a person is, and then I can set expectations. Probably it's like three four business days at minimum, probably two
0: weeks of practical. And then how do you determine what's requestable does that make sense I, I don't know if i phrased that right well to your point is often organizations
1: will attack request fulfillment in the context of a catalog anyway before they've defined their overall services and they keep asking well what are the requestable items and so you know you have the, the examples of the the laptop and the, the smartphone for example but these requestable items really are the fruit that fall from the service structure so Many times people look at looking at what are the fruit before they've actually gone and done the bigger picture. What are the services? Because the requestable items, be that an account, be that a smartphone, are simply the, the fruit that falls out of the service structure.
0: Martin, do you see why I like this show? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, because I, I, that makes sense. The, the way you, the analogy you just used makes sense because that, that, even in my real life, I'm often looking for the stuff that fell from the tree before I even understand what my tree is capable of doing. That's exactly right.
1: So that's yeah. what happens in this context. They look at the ground. Oh, look at all the fruit. Well, wow, that one looks like a pear, and that one looks like an apple. Mm-hmm. My goodness, where did – you know, If <laughs> they have to look up. And then you can say, you know, where did the fruit come from? Mm
0: -hmm. We've mentioned uh, the Amazon, we've mentioned uh, Troy, you mentioned an iPhone you know, I think I'd be remiss and you know, of course, everybody who's you know, trendy nowadays is talking about consumerization. We'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about an app store type analogy and how that fits into uh, IT's request fulfillment. So on my Macintosh, uh, I'm a fairly new Mac person. I have a, an app store now, just like I didn't even have that on. I only had that on my phone up until recently, and in this app store, I could see like the different types of things I can actually order. Some of them are free, some of them are not. I can see how people rated them, how many times people have downloaded or, or done that. There are specific elements to that requested piece of software that. I don't normally associate with IT, so we don't see how many people were requested a corporate credit card, what the ratings are on Amex corporate credit cards versus MasterCard corporate credit cards. Are these things that you think have any validity in our enterprise IT worlds?
1: Well, sure they do. Let's walk through a step-by-step, step, like a very simple process so you go on the catalog and that's where you saw all those attributes right and then all the reviews yeah then you make a decision to buy it but first thing the first step to do after you click on the buy me now button is it's going to make you log into the apple store yep. it's going to ask you to ask you to log into the account because it's going to want to verify that your region your uh economic region actually has the same deal because you could be on i don't know the you know, U.K. site versus the U.S. site, and you might get better yep. pricing, probably not in yep. that context. But, you might be at the International Space Station. Right, but in
0: Canada, I can't really, I don't have the same prices as you do, Chris, in the States. Yeah, plus I've seen stuff that was available in some international Apple stores and not available in others, certain products. Right, so... Yeah.
1: The first step on approval is to validate my regional entitlement. Mm -hmm. Right. Then it's going to go through in a a cost center approver. Now I'm the cost center holder, but it's going to ask me to pay for this thing, whether I'm going to put my credit card in and or use a PayPal account, right? Mm -hmm. And then it's going to verify with the cost center holder, in this case, you know, Visa in my case, that the card is is a good one and that it's of good standing and that it's authorized. So there's another step in the plan, Uh, and then it will allow me to download. And the download will be verified as complete. It'll verify the package. Then it's going to allow me to install it. Finally, it's going to ask me to register it. And voila, the final step in the workflow is complete. So I've had to go through at least a six or seven step process for that piece of software, which is unique to me in my regional context. Correct. And the and the credit card that I'm holding, which would be different for Martin, where he's in Virginia. going to be different for you, Chris, in Denver.
0: Mm-hmm. So there's three... Mining minor variables for the same workflow. Wow! So this kind of makes you know when you were explaining that process, I the first thing I thought was, hmm. Then doesn't it behoove other departments? Let's just pretend we're talking about HR again. Doesn't that beho- doesn't that behoove them to actually get involved with the creation of the service bundle or creation of the service items, since they understand their products and services often better than anyone else? Or is that kind of stumble back into? The, my dream job of business relationship manager.
1: Well, service owner, right? So who service who owner. helps define the service attributes? Who helps uh, define the requestable units, the approval requirements, the financial obligation? You know, it's going to be the service owner or the product owner in this case.
2: Yeah, and we, we just had a, a client uh, ask us to help them do their service catalog, and it included everything in the sun, lunch, HR functions, IT stuff. Yeah, some of that too. It's amazing. They wanted a request fulfillment process for everything you could conceivably get working in this company.
1: Booking, um, you know, meeting rooms and projectors.
0: Yeah, honestly, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, I mean, can yeah, it does.
1: It's <laughs> it's my portal, my my service catalog, and it's because remember, IT services are not the only services that users consume, right? We're not the only service provider in the business value chain. HR has services. Exactly. Facilities have services. Fleet management has services and finance has services for expense reimbursement. Yeah, and it gives them one place to put all their controls.
0: I kind of like the idea of, of everyone using it because oftentimes if I want to request something again, I have to like think, okay, how did I do this last time? And if there was someplace where I could say, oh, well, these are the things I've requested in the past, I would know how I did it last time. It would kind of save me a step to call someone and ask. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If I had a history of last time I reserved a conference room, Because of my personality, I would rather look at that than call and look like I don't remember or actually look for help.
1: In fact, yeah, in these new tools, that's what you do have. You have all the history of all your requests, uh, their status, and you can go back and actually clone it again if you want to use it. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's just amazing. The key is, it goes back to the complexity point that um, Martin brought up. The reason we have to drive into automation is because of the complexity, but also the now cultural
0: anticipation of speed, mm-hmm. right? We're just not Woo. satisfied any Woo. longer. Cultural anticipation of speed. Mark, what was yours? Sir, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember. I don't remember either. It was expect, it an expectation gap yeah. analysis. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. It was some it just, I, I don't know, both, both things. I'm moved. Moved to tears.
1: Well, look. <laughs> Let's put it this way, Chris. We're not as patient as our parents.
0: (laughs) Everything must happen now. Gosh, I hate to say the next generation. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I already—I'm raising them. I I know. (laughs) Oh well, that's been—it's that's just amazing. Um, Yeah, I think after business relationship manager, I I would want to—I would want my second job would be to help do this service request because I I love shopping. Um,
1: for For well, you also have a service desk background, so this is near and dear to your heart.
0: Well, it is, because back in the day, before we logged any of this, we just gave people whatever they wanted as fast as they wanted it, and then we never knew who had what or where. I mean, but you guys remember that. It is close to the top of the hour. Troy, I'm going to put some links to a blog uh, in the show notes. Martin, uh, I just want to give you a a shout-out. Thank you so much for joining us. You have a, a clarity and a wisdom that I think sometimes that Troy and I, because, well, hell, heck, it's Troy and I, we just miss.
2: It just comes from being printed on all the money. That's right. It's the bow
0: tie. <laughs> it keeps him focused. I mean that. It's it's the bow tie and the hair and the beard. I mean that in the most. <laughs> I, I'll send you. It, it, you should be on a 50 if that counts or anything. All right. It's time for Troy's Thunderbolt Tip of the Day.
1: Okay. Remember, Chris, request fulfillment. Yes, it's a process. But it's a process with many different workflows, baby processes. There might be an overall process, but you could have hundreds of requestable workflows.
0: Fantastic. We will see everybody in two weeks. Thanks for listening to Practitioner Radio. Uh, Thank you, Pink Elephant. Uh, Thank you, Martin. And thank you, Troy. See you guys later. All right. Thank you, Chris.
1: Bye. Take care.